0: paranormal radio
1: and now here's gene steinberg so chris o'brien is our co-host i'm gene steinberg you're in the powercast and we decided that we liked the yeti microphone so much with thx certified audio that we were going to use it again this week or at least i am going to use it chris is using what kind of microphone
2: audio technica okay it's a singer's mic oh okay You're not going to sing, though, are you? No, but you sound marvelous. Thank you. Thank you. I
1: resemble that remark. But seriously speaking, you know, we don't get together too often. As a matter of fact, our network GCN asked for a picture of you and I. And I said, there "There is no such picture. No, because we don't really get together that often. I think you and I have met a total of once with that interview we did with Antonio Huneus at my studio. And then during the International UFO Conference, we got together a couple of times. That's it. I have, we missed that, our
2: chance. We could have had a picture taken two days ago, and we missed our chance. I don't cast a reflection. I'm sorry. <laughs> My kind of person, we don't cast a reflection.
1: I want to tell you something really good happened this week. You know, there is a UFO discussion newsletter that's out there called UFO Updates. UFO Updates Toronto. Oh, yeah. And it's run by a guy who runs... A talk show about the paranormal, name of Errol Bruce Knapp, and he closed off the thread
2: on abductions. And I'm going about to read this. Time. Oh yeah! And he I said, "I went through and waded through all those, Gene. I, man, I admire your patience." As has happened over this list's history, there have been times to close discussions on a few
1: threads. We have reached yet another with those dealing with Hopkins, Jacobs, and Woods. Until such time as new information surfaces, no further submissions dealing with the various Hopkins, Jacobs, and Woods threads
2: will be posted. You're slamming the door. <laughs> Thank heavens. Well, Or shutting it firmly.
1: Well, it depends. Don't let the door strike you on the way out. I think that's what they said. <laughs> it really got to be a little excessive. I think the problem is with UFO abductions in general is there's a real problem there, a real mystery. That we need to resolve. We have to decide, is ET involved in at least some cases, mental processes, people having unusual experiences with an external source, internal source, a combination? A lot of problems there. But if all we're debating is whether Bud Hopkins' ex-wife likes him or not, or his research methods, or some woman in New Zealand is complaining because she submitted to investigation by doctor David Jacobs, she feels he didn't treat her correctly. And I don't know whether he did or not. But that is not the be all and end all of
2: UFO abductions. I don't think there's any winners here. It's a tawdry it's a tawdry affair, and uh, it just I think once again sheds light on the inadequacies of the abduction researching protocols that should be in place and aren't. So
1: well one thing here is that We did have a fascinating overview of the abduction scenario when we had Kathleen Martin on last week's episode. And that was done direct from the International UFO Congress. And one thing I noticed, I was only there a short time just to do the interviews with you and maybe to wander around a little bit. I didn't have the time to basically spend three days there. haven't done the three-day at a UFO convention thing for quite a long time. But you're telling me they had quite a big attendance there.
2: Yeah. It, you know, I, I have a personal fondness for the heyday of the Eureka Springs Lou Farish conferences in the mid-90s. That's where I really cut my teeth, met a lot of my researcher friends who I've you know, been in, in fairly close contact now with over the years. And And other than the Eureka Springs conventions there, I really felt this was the best UFO convention, or in this case, Congress I've ever attended, John Rayo and the Open Minds team did a, just an amazing job, you know, for, for organizing and pulling off their very first congress. I, I was very, very impressed uh, with the professionalism, the lineup of speakers, with one or two exceptions, and just the general buzz that seemed to be permeating the place. Uh, it was just amazingly attended. I mean, I, they sold out. I mean, they had over fifteen hundred people. I went to the sushi bar one night, and they were out of rice. I went to the bar. They had no draft beer. So I think the uh, you know the Fort McDowell Resort and Casino is going to have to ratchet up their, <laughs> their buying there for the next one.
1: You know what? They'll get Evident- greedy.
2: They'll raise the rates. Well, probably. But uh, evidently, from what I understand, uh, Open Minds has signed a contract for five years. So this is um, the first of hopefully quite a number of Congresses that will be held there. You were saying attendance is about
1: 1,500. And normally, you get a few hundred at a UFO right. convention. A lot of times, you get less than a few hundred. And most people who sponsor UFO conventions, myself included, I did that a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, most of the people who do this crazy thing, they lose a lot of money. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. It's that not a space. question, you know, saying, oh, it's, they're just in it for the money. But if you're shelling out thousands of dollars to rent space at a hotel to pay travel expenses, maybe fees for speakers, you deserve to at least get a return on that investment and maybe have a few dollars for your time, even yep, if it's exactly.
2: that minimum wage. Yep, yeah, and uh, they did have a lot of volunteers, I, I think which helped you know, in terms of the, the total amount of overhead that they needed to deal with. Uh, myself included, I guess I was volunteered. <laughs> I was wearing so many hats there, my head was spinning. Thank well, God you have that one hat to- you always wear. Um, no, I, was, I wore about three different hats, actually. Uh, physically they all before. look the same. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of hat is that? Is that borrowed from Indiana Jones or what? No, it's, uh, it's called a casino-style uh, hat. It's a Rosemary Ellen Guiley called it the Shadow Man hat. It's very similar to the fedora-wearing Shadow Man <laughs> But it's part of my costume. I've, uh, I've been wearing a hat like that for many years. I use it to stand uh, out you know, from the crowd. The, I don't think there's uh, – Jim Morris has his little fedora, but I'm proud of my hat. I just bought a new hat band for it and, uh, and on the Navajo reservation, and uh, I wear it proudly. You're shown clean-shaven on our site. Correct. But the real you today is the beard. Well, I do have a goatee and a mustache, which uh, is a recent – addition to my costume. But uh, I had somebody mention to me at the MUFON meeting. I stopped in and said hello at uh, last week prior to the convention. I stopped in and said hello and somebody said, every time I see you, you look totally different. And I guess I guess that's a compliment.
1: Well, I haven't changed in 400 years. <laughs> I understand there's an app for that. There probably is by there, now. There's an app for everything else. There was a an app we mentioned, I think, a few weeks ago, an app for... Investigation of strange audio sounds from the spirit world, all sorts of apps. But you know what? Let's segue, because yeah. that's why we're here. We have John Alexander to joining oh, us.
2: And is he a colonel? Is he a doctor? Is he both? Yes, he's both. He's a retired lieutenant colonel, and he has a Ph.D. I, we're going to have to double-check with him on this, but I believe his uh, Ph.D. from from Warren uh, College, I believe, is in uh, thanatology, which is the study of death. Whoa. <laughs> what a perfect degree to have when uh, you're in in charge of development of non-lethal weapons technology. I guess you really have to know about death to be able to design weapons uh, that don't kill people. Well, I was thinking then he was not a
1: technical advisor to the movie Flatliners. Do you remember that I movie? I don't think so.
2: Oh, yeah, Sure. Okay. That's what Julia Roberts met Kiefer Sutherland. Right? That's right. And
1: they all try to kill themselves and hopefully remember things in the afterlife that they could bring forth and then resurrect themselves. And, of course, as with any movie, at least one person dies during this encounter. But that has nothing to do with John Alexander except for the fact that he has an interesting book out now called UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. And I want to know more about this, especially if you find the out a lot more about
2: it. It's a very yeah. fascinating read, and uh, I do recommend it. I'm telling you everybody, if you're as you know getting a little cynical and jaded like I am after 20 years in this field, uh, I think you'll appreciate an insider's view of many of the myths and conspiracies uh, that are said to exist within this realm. He does do a very good job of pointing out, I think, in many cases, the obvious. And I do highly recommend this book. I think it's an absolute must addition to your library. Chris
1: O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
3: Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, one 804 my tv The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? your major credit or debit card call 1877804 my tv 1877804 my tv disable the cable cut costs and get more call 1877804 my tv 1877804 my tv
4: are you wondering about your retirement portfolio Are you confident that the financial advisor is experienced enough to combat climbing interest rates, taxes, and inflation? Stop guessing and go to the expert, Robert Chapman of the International Forecaster. When you subscribe to the International Forecaster, you get Robert Chapman's 45 years of experience and concise investment recommendations. Who needs sugar-coated excuses when you can get the cold hard facts and proven investment leads you can't get anywhere else? For a free introductory copy to Robert Chapman's International Forecaster, Subscribe now at com or call 877-479-8178. Experience the difference. When you subscribe, you can email Robert Chapman directly to obtain investment advice tailored just for you. Don't wait another minute. Subscribe today at TheInternationalForecaster.com or call 877-479-8178. That's eight seven seven four seven nine eight one seven eight. 479 8178
5: Alex has told you that the Mideast uprisings over food prices and shortages caused by fuel costs are spreading worldwide. We're seeing the impact right here in the United States. Ethanol that was supposed to reduce petroleum use and fuel prices hit a 30-month high in February, and pump prices are expected to reach $5 a gallon. Because of shipping costs, food is being priced out of the reach of millions of Americans with an expected 35% jump in the next 60 days. Move quickly while you can still afford it, and eFoods Direct will pay your shipping costs for you. For the best-tasting, long-term, storable food, you pay nothing for shipping and can put every dollar or into food at today's prices. eFoods Direct, food so delicious you can serve it tonight or save it for the future. Take advantage of free shipping by calling 800-409-5633 on the web eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex
7: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
0: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com
1: We're in the Paracast with Gene Steinberg, the co-host is Chris O'Brien. Joining us for the rest of the show, Dr. John Alexander. He's author of a new book in hardcover. You know, we don't see many hardcovers anymore called UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. Now, Dr. Alexander, welcome to the Paracast, and I guess the big question I would have is, why does somebody with all your credentials, how do you get caught up in the UFO mystery?
8: Well, I'm a masochist. I want to get beat up, then I come out and play with these (laughs) folks. As I say, this is kind of a a no-win situation because one of the things I mentioned early on is you better understand conspiracy theory. You know, if you you either believe there's a conspiracy or if you deny it, you're part of the cover-up.
2: I love the story in your book about the little the little woman at the uh, conspiracy con conference. You know, freaking out, uh, pointing at you and saying, "It's him! He's the one that was on the ship that abducted me." Yeah, you know, it, 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 there are no limits.
8: <laughs> no, I, I actually uh, the original question. I've been interested in the topic since 1947, and uh, yeah, I'm old enough to actually remember those uh, incidents and having reported on them through our little school radio
2: uh, program at the time. So Kenneth Arnold huh, made your uh, made your little uh, school radio station. That's interesting. I'm
8: going to say little, We're talking about Lacrosse, Wisconsin. So this was really small. <laughs> okay,
2: so you
1: read about the subject as a kid. Did you spend much time on it before you started doing well, no, more I, I, intensive research?
8: I followed the field for decades, Uh, so he was a MUFON member and all of those sorts of things, read articles, books, all of the usual suspects. He eventually got more deeply involved when I was actually on uh, active duty. Uh, We thought there was probably some black program someplace like uh, most of your listening audience would uh, believe, and so I put together a group of people that came from all of the services, most of the agencies you know about and some that you don't, and aerospace industry, uh, all of whom... Excuse
1: the, me, sir. Some that you don't. Explain that, please. I'm sorry? When you mention agencies that we know and some that we don't know, what do you mean?
8: Well, there were some that were not public, at uh, certainly at that time. And uh, so anyway, we were... Um, Interested, uh, the people had to come. It was literally an old boy net. Uh, have the right clearance, have interest, and uh, we started having a few plenary sessions to discuss what people knew. And what we found out basically is they knew the same rumors that everybody else knew in the you know in the field, certainly all the civilian sector. We also found out, as I went around, everybody was more interested in what other agencies might be doing than the phenomenon itself. Because, as you know, in, in Washington, information is power, and um, so they, you don't want to be left behind.
2: Explain why you named it the Advanced Theoretical Physics Group. I think this is an interesting uh, point of note.
8: Yeah, well, at that time, we're talking uh, early 80s. Uh, of course, FOIAs were hot and heavy. And uh, so what we decided to do was to name it something that if a FOIA came in uh, for UFOs, uh, would not be associated with it. Uh, now, the other thing we did was uh, there were not supposed to be any written records. few people, it turns out, had violated that. But... Uh, uh, there weren't any minutes of the meetings. There were nothing going out announcing the meeting. So if anybody came in asking about it, we could literally say it doesn't exist or There's no, there are no written records.
2: Well, uh, I w- I've always wondered, and this is something that's uh, that's puzzled me over the years. I think I mentioned to you <laughs> when we initially talked to, to have you on the show that I kind of misstated and said I've been, I've been following your career for years and you chuckled and and I kind of recorrected myself and and said I, I would have loved to follow your career for years. You're you're quite an enigmatic uh, person in this field. <laughs> and one of the things that's enigmatic about you is your your doctoral studies with uh, Elizabeth P. Ross and and the field of thanatology. Uh, why did you choose this particular uh area of study and you would you care to discuss your motivations are
8: well um, some of that was serendipity i was had done a lot of work in a wide variety of uh, behavioral science Anyway, and I was getting ready to uh, do a dissertation. I was interested in near-death studies, had studied on, uh, looked at, you know, the near-death studies uh, for a long, long time. And actually, I, I think there's, you know, some crossover between NDEs and UFOs and all of these things, as people have heard me say. But what happened was the the final thing. I was in my office uh, at uh, in Atlanta, at uh, Fort McPherson there, and I got a call one day that said. Uh, Elizabeth is going to be coming through Atlanta Airport and in those days you could go out you know to the gate and those things. She had several hours and wondered if you could meet her and of course I said yes and uh, so the next day I went to the airport and met her and she says you know of all the people I know in Atlanta I chose you to call and I have no idea why and so I said I think I'm supposed to ask you a question and it was you know would she uh, head the
2: committee she says oh yes so so she was your doctoral thesis uh, advisor for your yeah your, she, she your was doctor. the
8: head of the com- actual head of the committee yes i mean there were other people on it um, and what i ended up doing the dissertation on was looking at changes in spirituality in people who attended her life death and transition workshop uh, she was an amazing woman you know she's the one who brought hospice to the us but also had a series of incidents that were just totally uh, unexplainable. Um, I might mention the one thing that she really uh, mentioned that uh, caused a change. I had used the word religiousness uh, in the proposal, And um, because there's a lot of information available about religiousness per se, so you had a lot of quotes. And she said, no, you have to change it to spirituality. And what we found was that there's a lot of people, uh, even if not asked, when you say, do you consider yourself to be religious? will say, no, but I think I'm a spiritual being. And they they actively say, I I reject the dogma of the church, but I think we have a relationship with higher beings and that sort of thing.
2: Well, did this uh, field of study and your your intense interest in this subject lead to your first uh, major position after retiring from the military, which was, Uh, at the Los Alamos lab where you were involved in developing the whole concept of non-lethal weapons technology. I find the the interesting, it's kind of a conundrum, Uh, you're studying near-death experiences and and, and actual uh, what happens when the soul transits uh, from this mortal coil, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the non-lethal weapons development game. Uh, I'll tell
1: you what, we'll have to get into the non-lethal developments game and lots more coming up. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in... The Paracast.
9: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson writes, the soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack. of the Rockoids. Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website rockoids.com that's r o c k o i d s.com attack, attack, attack of the Rockoids, Rockoids a novel in the grand science fiction tradition
10: The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to FreezeDryGuy.com, click on Products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month our clubs work with everyone's budget plus when you join Freeze Dry Guy clubs you'll get additional rewards for example this month get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze Dry Guy product line plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount hurry go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 that's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 the freeze dry guy the best you can buy with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three Sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three Sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at one 886 3653 That's one 886 3653 Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today.
11: It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at herbalhealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power, regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low, at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flew Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a four ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate Formula, Oregosilin Physician Strength Capsules, for your lungs, normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and Neuro Recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com.
7: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
1: Hi, this
12: is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: We have Dr. John Alexander, author of UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities, and we'll have to find out what all those signify I'm Gene Steinberg, Chris O'Brien's the co-hoster in the Powercast so the question on the table, Dr. Alexander, about non-lethal weapons etc what's your answer
8: yeah, well what had happened was that uh, I had uh, retired from the military uh, in uh, 88 the number of serendipitous incidents that occurred just, can't be enumerated, just one after another. I was actually going to go to work for one of the major defense contractors, uh, ended up at Los Alamos National Laboratory in, uh, instead, was looking at what was going on in the world. And at that time, we had the invasion of uh, Panama, uh, Grenada had come along, things going on eventually in Somalia, and just said, you know, we've kind of geared up for World War III. Uh, major tank battles and th- those sorts of things, and yet the kinds of actions we 're being engaged in really require minimal levels of force, for instance, in Panama, uh, these were long time allies. Our argument was with Noriega and a few of his henchmen, but certainly not the Panamanian people. How do you apply force in a very constrained way? Because at the end of the day, you wanted them to be friendly, uh, and you have you know big families with long memories, so killing folks is not very practical. So it was looking at the conundrum of uh, between doing nothing and doing too much, and what kinds of things could allow us to do that.
2: Well, and uh, where is the state of the art in this particular type of uh, weaponry? Uh, you don't hear much about. About non-lethal weapons being deployed, occasionally you'll see a a brief little piece that'll show some sort of sonic cannon or sticky glue or weapons of fire, nets, that sort of thing. But but are these types of weaponry uh, is it being deployed currently?
8: Well, yes. You know that just says more about what uh, what is being read about and written about than uh, as you said, the state of the art. What emerged. Um, we held some studies. I was studying with the Council on Foreign Relations. It was able to bring in uh, John Deutsch, who was then the Undersecretary of Defense. This was in the the mid-90s and said, look, military needs to get much more involved. And this led to the creation of the Joint Non-Lethal Weapons Directorate under the Marines. And it's still up and running at Quantico. Lots of... uh, evaluations and testing and R&D going on and actual fielding. Many of the units in the field, if you remember the Balkans, uh, went into Iraq, some in Afghanistan, but you actually have whole non-lethal weapons packages that are deployed uh, with units uh, now under the the right set of circumstances.
2: Right, of course, and, and as everybody probably guesses, uh the ubiquitous taser of course is one that is most visible i think many law enforcement officials park rangers uh for the federal government uh are routinely armed with this particular type of non-lethal weapons yeah, well, technology now
8: in fact i went to uh, see rick smith who's the president of taser and happened to have been there in uh, scottsdale they're uh, a growth company uh, one of the things I say, and uh, I'm willing to go the mad on this, but Taser has never killed anybody, despite uh, all of the noise to the contrary, and it's a very, very effective weapon. Uh, they're working on some things now that we were discussing to increase the range. One of the problems with Taser from a military perspective is you've got to be very close. They've got about a 30-foot range. Uh, with the extended range on it, and one of the questions that came up early on uh, from the troops and all non-lethal weapons is, um, is it better than a rock? So they would like things <laughs> that allow them to, uh, you know, get be able to stay outside of rock-throwing distance, and, and some of those are coming.
2: <laughs> well, this kind of dovetails into the whole idea of uh, psychotronic weapons. Uh, how much work did you do in developing? weapons that uh, were geared more towards the mental battlefield as opposed to weapons that are more of a physical nature. Sure. Zero. Zero. Okay. Well, one term that you hear bannered about among this conspiracy crowd is the idea of psychotronic weapons platform. I, I must admit I've, I've used this term before as well. Uh, I know that the psyops portion of the military is one that is fairly uh, hidden and isn't uh, talked about much publicly. But uh, w- what is your knowledge about the state of the art for uh, influencing the uh, the mind at a distance, as opposed to you know some sort of more physical uh, physical yeah. type of process?
8: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure how to address the question. Um, now, if you're talking about literally the mind control stuff and uh, what this classic psychotronic weapons, the answer is real simple: zero you know, just not an area that they're going into. If you talk about influence operations, meaning what's happening in uh, information warfare, uh, then you're on a huge, huge scale, and um, right. I would ar- argue that most of the what they call psyops, which would be psychological operations, is pretty much uh, in the open. And they would argue quite strongly against using black and what's known black and gray psyops. Because the utility is limited, and sooner or later you get caught, and the implications are usually worse than having
2: told the truth to begin with. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, that's uh, an unexpected uh, reply. I would think that we. By would
8: the way, have. I, I also was trained in antiquity as a psychological operations officer. Something people point out uh, from time to time in the conspiracy realm. But uh, yeah, you no. You a the disinformation
1: specialist, Doctor Alexander? I'm sorry. Does that make you a disinformation specialist then?
8: I was about to say that uh, it, it in general. It is uh, far worse to use things that are not true, because the blowback is worse and, and harder to sort out than telling the truth to begin with.
2: Hmm, that's interesting. Well, let's let's dovetail into the subject of your book, uh, which I again I find fascinating, and I'd, I highly recommend it to our listening audience. I've only had a chance to really skim through it. I can't wait to dive into it, uh, you know, in a very intense way. I do like the way you've uh, supplied a summary at the end of each chapter. That really did help my research process, only having the book for a couple days. But one of the things that you mention in, in here is you take, you take the whole field of ufology and you, you do a very dispassionate, objective uh, breakdown of all the various uh, you know, misconceptions, uh, pop culture myths. And uh, you just do a, a brilliant job, and I, I really mean this, and I'm not stroking you here. You did a, an excellent job of looking at various aspects of this field and, and just explaining uh, the reality as you see it. And uh, I, I think you know, obviously we could go quite a <laughs> – uh, we could do several shows on, uh, on these various areas that you cover, but what – Sum up for us the extent of official and unofficial knowledge within the government about UFOs and and possibly explain uh, why you have come to the conclusion that there really is nothing to disclose, uh, for instance, that we're we're dealing with a set of information that's spread all throughout government and that uh, there is no super secret controlling uh, entity that seems to be holding on to all these UFO secrets secrets and uh, crash saucers and alien bodies and the like. That's I think that's a good place to start. But before he goes
1: there, hold that thought, Dr. Alexander, because we have to tell our listeners if you have a question or a comment about the Paracast, send it to news at the com. Once again, that's news at the com. We promise we do read each and every letter and we respond to most of it. And there's one more thing. We have a forum at forum.theparacast.com. That's forum.theparacast.com. That's where you can have online discussions with the rest of our listeners. Just sign up and get involved in all the action. Dr. John Alexander joins us. The book is UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast.
13: Becoming a modern smoker is now easier and more cost-effective. Thanks to Le Cig. Traditional smokers the world over love Le Sig. E-cigarettes with a look, feel, and taste of real cigarettes, but without the nasty smoke, ashes, or stains. Le SIG is powered by revolutionary microelectronic technology. A small rechargeable battery and unique replaceable cartridge provide all the satisfaction and benefits of smoking without the smoke and all the hazards. See the large variety of Le Cig, e-cigarette supplies and accessories at LeSig.com. That's L-E-C-I. LaSIG Le is competitively priced, comes with the best customer service, a 30-day warranty, and satisfaction guaranteed. What a great gift idea. For a 10% discount, mention GCN when you call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Ask for fast, free, same-day shipping. Order online at LASIG.com and use promo code GCN at checkout. That's L E C I G.com. LaSIG Le for today's modern smoker.
14: There's mounting evidence suggesting that there are people, governments, corporations, and whole professions intent on short-circuiting humanity's well-being. GMO, food legislation protecting big agriculture, the attempted elimination of vitamins and alternative medicines, it seems their hand has been tipped. They want to dictate your health, wealth, and your longevity. Whatever the outcome, we have a solution. Wild edible food. Why worry about food when all has been provided? We imagine that we were ejected from the garden and never invited back, but the garden's still here. There is an endless wild abundance which grows all over our green earth just waiting for you to wake up and see it. Let author Linda Runyon teach you how to see, know, get, prepare, store, and eat wild edible food. Save money, add nutrition, and ignore the noise when you go shopping in nature's supermarket. Go to ofthefield.com and get started today or call one 888 eat free That's ofthefield.com or call one 888 eat free And begin to see a different world. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel?
7: I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much.
6: Don reports dramatic improvements with Heart and Body Extract. I
7: started taking uh, Heart and Body Extract and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve.
6: Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305.
7: Folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract.
6: Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Are you tired of searching for
7: great talk
6: radio? Something more important.
7: Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
0: This is the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: We're back with Dr. John Alexander, the subject on the table relates to the book, UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. So, Dr. Alexander, Chris pose a very multifaceted question there mm. with all sorts of permutations. So you have the floor. We'd like to have your answer.
8: <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, I, I my, call my book, um, you know, UFOs for People with Common Sense, And, you know, as I said earlier in this area, the conspiracy theory, uh, and I find many of the ufologists, if you will, just as close-minded as the uh, skeptics or debunkers, if
2: you will. Debunkers.
8: Yeah, they've made up their mind as to what, you know, and then only accept facts that fit uh, their theory. Now, what I found is, and what I say is, when I say no cover-up, that does not mean there aren't people who get told to sit down and be quiet from uh, time to time but in my view there is no overall conspiracy one of the things i used to uh, describe is uh, good news and bad news the good news is the government's been telling you the truth uh, albeit badly from time to time Uh, the bad news is the government's telling you the truth the reality is they just don't care Now, I do think that uh, let's take Bentwaters as a specific example, because that's one where I think I'm sure low level uh, enlisted men and some even, uh, you know, NCOs were interrogated and told, you know, be quiet, you know, don't ever talk about this again. Uh, Conversely, uh, Colonel Halt who was the deputy base commander, uh, there was no such admonition or even interviews or anything else. And, in fact, when he was about to retire and was getting debriefed on a series of uh, secret programs, this is a classified program across the board, and he even asked about, you know, well, what about Bentwaters, and said the response was they just laughed. So the point is that I think the... Investigators have heard the same rumors that everybody else, and it's easier to just uh, tell people don't talk about it than it is to uh, sort it out. I use an example here in a different field, but uh, I was at a meeting at the um, office of Secretary of Defense, staff officers, fairly Senior, uh, responding to a, um, a snowflake from Rumsfeld. And read the classified documents, and asked them i said what what is secret about this? I mean, this is newspaper kind of stuff, and they said, yes it's just easier to classify everything than it is to figure out what we should protect and so And this has led to a lot of the conspiracies in many, many areas is the government 's propensity to over classify things
1: they're taking the path of least resistance. If we don't understand it or it requires more than a monicum of work, classify it and maybe just yes. out of sight, out of mind.
8: Oh well, I I do address the issue. What I call too tough to handle. They say, for instance, the uh, some of the northern tier sightings and particularly the ones at Malmstrom, you know, where the missiles were shut down, uh, definitely happened. And I think they looked at it, couldn't figure out what it was. And then so what they did is, say, well, we'll just wait. And if it doesn't happen again, it's gone away. So for right now, it's in too tough to handle, just won't bother to address it. And that is prevalent in many, many areas.
2: Well, picking up on that, uh, we've had some, some pretty uh, high-profile persons uh, come forward over the years, uh, like, uh, for instance, uh, Colonel Philip Corso and his claims, uh, quite to the contrary, that there is, crash-retrieved uh, and back-engineered technology projects going on, that there are dead aliens. Now, I do understand that the role of his co-author may have sort of prettied up, jazzed up, and, and uh, beefed up some of the uh, the book, and I think Corso did uh, have some, uh, was a little dismayed about that. And I do know that you talked to him about this. Uh, what do you make of, a, of, a, of someone like a Philip Corso who comes forward and and refutes basically what what you're what you're asserting about the government's role in all this.
8: Yep, I understand that. I knew Phil before, during, and after the book coming out. I was with him uh, two weeks before he died uh, to address some of these issues. Uh, in my book, I have a an uh, appendix A is a letter that I sent to him which is a series of 90-some errors. And they run from little things like it's Adelphi, Maryland, not Adelphia, to huge things like, no, the Cold War was not a cover for fighting E.T. There's two problems. One is uh, his book did get very wide distribution, probably the best UFO book uh, from a sales perspective that has been out there. Um, And conversely, if you look at the various technologies that he claimed, uh, not a shred of evidence to support uh, any of the technological claims. You can look at the history uh, of each of the technologies involved, from fiber optics to uh, integrated circuitry to (laughs) night Velcro. Velcro, uh,
2: that's one of my favorites.
8: Yeah. And we know exactly how that was developed. If he were right, you would assume at some point what you do is you see a big bump. Uh, so, and uh, that just uh, doesn't happen.
2: Well, what about, for instance, uh, the whole idea of crash retrievals and and uh, or something uh, like MJ-12? Now, uh, Bob Woods, who I know you've known for many years, yep. uh, has been involved uh, in... I think he was one of the Advanced Theoretical Physics Group uh, members, uh, he's, he, he's been involved in ufology for years, of course he's ex-aerospace, high up in aerospace. Why would someone like Bob Wood and his son Ryan be so uh, enamored with the whole idea of crash retrievals enough to to, to put on a conference every year about yep. this subject?
8: Well, both friends, I've known uh, the senior, you know, Bob Wood for decades. Uh, there are certain areas where we uh, agree to disagree. Uh, he's certainly done a lot of work, you know, in the supposed manual, which he now even suggests was not uh, really a, a government uh, manual for recovering ETs, but was uh, real but designed to fool the Soviets. You know, it talked about formal disinformation that was aimed at, uh, at an adversary at the time.
2: Well, uh, similar to the MJ12 documents, the MJ12 yeah, well, documents, he's taken the ball and run with them.
8: Yeah, well, as we know, the MJ12 documents per se are basically have been, I think, thoroughly discredited uh, across the board. Uh, that would be my position on it is certainly that of the archives. They've actually been able to find some documents that have, you know, the body, the text, and that sort of thing, and then, you know, a, a couple of changes in it, and the document reappears as MJ-12, which is a different uh, discussion.
1: Well, you know um, what, you raised it here, so let's just dive in very quickly and we'll get back to some of the other issues. Okay, so we have the MJ-12 documents. You have a document that somebody, an independent party, a hoaxer or whatever, took this document and fabricated the MJ-12 documents from it? Is that what you're saying?
8: pretty much that's that's conventional wisdom uh, you know, i i do a comparison in uh, in my presentation uh, that has to do with uh, watergate and m j twelve watergate MJ-12 makes, and m
1: j twelve
8: yeah exactly if you look at how watergate evolved uh, when you had um felt you know, who really was the deputy director of the FBI, uh, putting out uh, information uh, and the um, I'm sorry, I think I'm confusing. We're talking about uh, all the president's men now and and that information, how that came out. Sure. And yeah, so you had felt going to the Washington Post, et cetera, et cetera. He was known. The Washington Post, a huge journal, uh, has resources, puts the information out. They go to who? You did what? You drop something in the mail, and maybe somebody will pick it up, and they have no resources, and they're unknown. And I mean, that, that just defies common sense. And that's why I said the book is when you follow these things through and say, How would you do that or why would you do it? It makes no sense at all.
1: Well, do you think maybe, and this is something that we'll have to carry through our next segment, that this is all planned, deliberate, or just a bunch of fortunate or unfortunate accidents that allow these so-called conspiracies to happen? Ponder that question for a moment. Our guest is Dr. John Alexander. The book is called UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities, and I think we're focusing a lot on the latter two. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast.
15: Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: We have Dr. John Alexander. The book is UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. The question, of course, on the table with Dr. Alexander is, I guess, the deliberate or not-so-deliberate nature of how these so-called conspiracies and things work out. What's your reaction?
8: My reaction is you got a lot of folks with too much time on their
2: hands. Because you get Get to why would they do it, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's clear. Get out of the basement, young man. I'm sorry? I said it's a lot of guys that live in mom's basement that need to come upstairs and get some air. <laughs> oh,
8: okay, yeah, no, it it is obvious that there's a lot of folks out there, and you've, I guess the equivalent today would be what happens on many of these blogs, uh, where people just get in and spend an inordinate amount of time, you know, jerking people's chains, and uh, I've seen it you know repeatedly uh, in this field and unfortunately it muddies the water uh, quite a bit Uh, one of the things we're getting far away from here uh, and seems to happen in this field is that they concentrate on you know these conspiracies and things that they disagree with as opposed to my main thrust which is hey some of this stuff is real and very important and deserves to be researched but the You know, the UFO community would much rather play in the mud than uh, get up and uh, try to get to the stars.
2: Yeah, and that's an important point you raise, and I think we should qualify uh, our conversation. You absolutely do agree that there is a real UFO phenomenon at the core of this mystery, that it deserves investigation, but it perhaps isn't as pervasive and as... um, uh, filled with glitz and bells and whistles like the conspiracy buffs and the pop culture would have us believe. So you are agreeing that there is something worthy of study here, just well, to get you on the my, record on my, that. And
8: my most, uh, th- that's absolutely true. And my most important point is that we need to clean this up and make it so that reputable scientists can get into the field without, you know, potentially damaging their career. Uh, right now, this is... Totally toxic, and I can give examples that we know where I was attacked. I'll give you one in Scientific American where they came in and said basically that uh, you know I couldn't be trusted because I believed in things that uh, most scientists were skeptical of. And the point was, that the article was on non-lethal weapons, not UFOs or phenomenology, that they use these ad hominem attacks to, you know, attack my personal credibility. And that's, you know, anybody on the outside who looks at these feel and there's a number of scientists uh, who are frankly interested, but do not want their name associated uh, because of the uh, potential degradation. If you take guys like Bob John, uh, and is is not in the UFO field, but uh, was in you know studying remote viewing and psychokinesis, this is an individual who was the dean of engineering at Princeton, you know the dean, and yet you know got taken on and had uh, you can't say his career was destroyed, but he certainly had um, a lot of bumps and bruises from the routine scientific community just because he said, I'll study
2: this objectively. That's what we've got to get away from. Well, you find yourself in the curious position of uh, getting it from both sides. It's like you have a target on, the, on your backside and your front <laughs> side. <laughs> well, not, the, not the, the third side...
8: Yeah, I, I, I throw the third side in there, and that's uh, some of the fundamentalist uh, religions who uh, don't want to hear about
2: these things either. Uh, no, they don't. Well, you mentioned in your book a very interesting meeting that you had with Ben Rich uh, in well, in the me- no, middle of minute. the meeting no. you had the you had well, the earthquake that. happen. <laughs> that was so- no, that's Jacques Vallee. Or, or oh Jacques Vallée, you were meeting with, in the earthquake happened. That's an yeah, interesting. Yeah, that, that's uh, in
8: Jacques' uh, yeah. Jacques and I have served on boards. We've
2: known each other
8: for decades, but that particular meeting took place when the uh, at the big San Francisco
2: quake uh, during the, the uh, World Series. Right. How about uh, listing off for us? Just rattle off a list of of credible, uh, worthy UFO cases that you feel. Uh, indicate the, you know, the actual reality of this phenomenon, and and that are deserving of of scrutiny and and research. Uh, could you give us a list of, you you supply yeah, us a list the, in the book?
8: Well, I can't do all of them uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I think they uh, go on. In fact, one of the things I do at the beginning of the book is I list uh, a couple of minor cases you've never heard of, uh, and. Uh, two of them, my brothers uh, were involved. Uh, Two more, my son was involved. And the point of that is that most UFO sightings are never reported to anybody. And in cases like that, they come from credible sources. So there's got to be literally millions of those kinds of observations out there. Now, the cases that uh, I definitely like, uh, for instance, uh, I put uh, bent waters at the uh, top of the heap. That is one in which the evidence keeps getting stronger and stronger. You get many of these phenomenal cases, and we had mentioned crash retrievals, and we may want to come back to that. But usually, the more you look at that, the more it sort of dissipates over time. Bentwater strong, at least 80 witnesses, many of them in the PRP. These are Air Force people in the personnel reliability program, uh, meaning that we know a lot about them. They've had psychological testing, they are taken P-tests, so we know they're not on drugs, uh, and yet more and more, you know, firsthand witnesses, uh, particularly like Jim Penniston, the first time I called him when he said, uh, oh, you mean the one I touched, You know, and I'm pretty convinced that probably did happen. You've got, uh, you know, the base commander or deputy base commander, uh, Chuck Halt, who went out there, you know, with the notion that they were going to resolve the thing rather quickly instead has a, you know, life-changing experience uh, of his own. And many, many more. That would be kind of at the top of the list. Uh, Phoenix Lights uh, is a great uh, case here again thousands of people saw it and you you look at the you know the simple answer oh they dropped some flares over uh, you know uh, over southwest of uh, phoenix and you go well, wait a minute you know this thing started in henderson uh, maybe farther up but uh, you know then the over kingman prescott phoenix uh, all the way to tucson certainly not flares and then well, the flares occurred
1: 2 hours later right
8: yeah, yeah okay. it's a different incident. The other thing about both of these cases that I've mentioned, they're not singular events. I mean, I think in the perception of most civilians, who were not in this field. These are fleeting things seen at night or whatnot. And reality is that, uh, no, many of them recur. Uh, another case that uh, fits into this category is Gulf Breeze. I mean, that went on for years. Uh, Okay, but then
1: the thing I have a problem with when it regards to Gulf Breeze is not that cases occurred, but one particular character, one Ed Walters, whether he contributed to some of the sideshow about that case, partly because at one time they found what looked to be a model of a UFO hidden in the attic of one of the homes that he built.
8: Yeah, well, I would suggest you go look at uh, Bruce McAbee's website, because uh, he did a paper early on that was, you know, uh, 55 sightings without Ed. So th- you, this is not... That's the point. I you know,
1: I'm not disagreeing with you here. Yeah. I understand okay. that Dr. McAbee has a lot of information. I wanted to separate this because that's one of the big problems we run into in the UFO field. There may be some factual information, and then it's intermingled with this nonsense, and that's why we have problems trying to understand what's going on.
8: I went to Gulf Breeze. And I, I won't go into the whole. I, I tell in the book. I tell this, the Men in Black story that uh, happened there. But what uh, impressed? Oh, that me, is a
1: story I want to hear about. But yeah, you know what? Well, We're just about out of time with this segment. So I really think we should push that over to our next segment about Men in Black, because we always want to hear about Men in Black. You know, whether there are Men in Black or. Whether it's just, you know, one of these crazy illusions or hoaxes within the fabric of the UFO field. Our guest, Dr. John Alexander, the book is called UFOs Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities, and I think we're focusing on all three here. Chris O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. <laughs>
16: This is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com. Radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com/namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com/namecheap. See you online.
1: Awaits.
4: Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, March 11th 2011. Gold opened this morning at 14.12.90. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 14.49.32. 7.24.66 for a half ounce, or 3.62.33 for a quarter ounce. That's 14.49.32, 7.24.66, and 3.62.33.
15: The Constitution and the Bill of Rights have been reduced to old relics. Politicians ignore, trample with their outlandish, overreaching policies. Your support of the campaign for. Liberty stands in the way of this insidious process. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I've teamed up with the Campaign for Liberty to offer the authentic proof quarter ounce pure gold coin. For only $390 plus shipping, Midas will donate $100 to this incredible organization. Help fight big government by ordering your gold coin at 800-686-2237. You get to win twice by owning gold and fighting an overreaching government. Call 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237.
5: Alex has told you that the Mideast uprisings over food prices and shortages caused by fuel costs are spreading worldwide. We're seeing the impact right here in the United States ethanol that was supposed to reduce petroleum use and fuel prices hit a 30-month high in February, and pump prices are expected to reach $5 a gallon. Because of shipping costs, food is being priced out of the reach of millions of Americans, with an expected 35% jump in the next 60 days. Move quickly while you can still afford it, and eFoods Direct will pay your shipping costs for you. For the best-tasting, long-term storable food, you pay nothing for shipping and can put every dollar into food at today's prices. eFoods Food so delicious you can serve it tonight or save it for the future. Take advantage of free shipping by calling 800-409-5633 on the web, efoodsdirect.com slash alex, 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com slash alex.
17: Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, Eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion. Fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793. Or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976.
11: The
7: GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
0: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. So we
1: return with Dr. John Alexander. The book is UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. Chris O'Brien's the co host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. And so I interrupted you as you were talking about Gulf Breeze. Because you
2: brought up the dreaded MIB. <laughs> well, wait a minute, John. You 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 whipped out. You put on your wraparound shades at the end of your talk uh, there at the UFO Congress, and you whipped out a neuralizer and you zapped everybody. So, are you one of the men in black?
8: Well, what was missing from that is I actually have a, a picture there with uh, Tommy Lee Jones and. Will Smith and me, all dressed up. Uh, and unfortunately, the the slide went by uh, too fast. And I said, the neuralizer I did get from uh, Scott Rosenberg, who created it. No, this was, again, one of those events that, uh, you know, you couldn't stage. What had happened was, I mean, you right cast your characters. I was from Los Alamos. I was traveling with a group of uh, three other folks who came from uh, the skunk works, literally. And we had been down at um, Special Operations Command uh, to give a briefing on certain technology uh, uh, proposals. And and that's in Tampa. And so the next day, we were to have a meeting at Hurlburt Field, uh, which is to the east of Pensacola. So the notion was that we would give the briefing one day. We would fly up to Pensacola, stay there. I was going to drop everybody off and go over and see Gulf Breeze. Well, rain came in. uh, Our flights got delayed and delayed. And so when we got to Pensacola... It was now just getting dark, and so I've got to get over there, and lo and behold, the rental car company gives us a a four-door, large, very, very dark green sedan that certainly looks like a black sedan. Uh, we're still dressed up. I, had, I was going to get into you know more comfortable clothes, but we were still in coats and ties, black shoes, and all of that. And so it was too late. So I said I told them what we were going to do, and they were kind of interested and whatnot. So of course like I said, then we went down to the beach at Gulf Breeze and show up, and there we were, definitely the men in black. <laughs> but, But as far as you're
1: concerned, there is no real man-in-black phenomenon in the UFO field. Is that correct?
8: Well, it's certainly not humans, if it is. So there have certainly been reports over time. But if you remember, many of them early on talk about people who had clothes that don't wrinkle and go out and just disappear. (laughs) You know, humans don't do that.
2: Try to eat Jello with forks. (laughs)
8: as I know the uh, with forks wait a minute (laughs) remember my my premise in the last bit of the book says that whatever we're dealing with is terribly complex and there are no simple answers and part of the problem that I see in the UFO community is they want Simple answers. If we are a little gray from zeta reticuli, I think most of them would be happy with that just because you can get a grasp on it. Whereas I suggest if you look at these phenomena, they're far more complex than we ever anticipated. And as I put at the end of the book, we're not about to solve this problem. We're not even asking the right questions yet. And hence, that leads me to why I think we need to be able to get, you know, the best scientific minds involved. But if they keep getting contaminated by just, you know, mere association, that's not likely to happen.
1: Let me ask you the obvious question here about conspiracies. A feeling on the part of some people in the UFO field that the government is taking advantage of the confusion and the arguments and all the debates that go on in the UFO field and injecting a little bit of you know foreplay or something. They're involved. Do you think the government does anything? Is there any disinformation in the UFO field?
8: Mm, say, I, I can't say never. Now, let me give you a specific example that was classified for many, many years, and that had to do with the development of the U-2, and which, of course, was flying at about 90,000 feet, and you would get commercial pilots who were saying, I saw something above me, and it must be a UFO, because nothing could fly that high, uh, when, in fact... Yes, there were things flying that high, and they would get spotted periodically. And officially, you know, the government was very happy to hear about UFOs. I suspect you're going to get a bit of that again, and that is because of rapid expansion of remotely piloted vehicles and the kinds of things that they're going to do. You're familiar with Predator, I'm sure, uh, but there's now a host of sensors that run from little tiny things you can put in a backpack to Global Hawk, uh, which is, you know, transcontinental aircraft that can stay up for 36 hours. So there's going to be a lot more sightings of things that are really kind of hard to make out, and those are, frankly, quite technologically savvy. George Knapp did a great study here about something that fell down near Needles, uh, Arizona, uh, almost assuredly a UAV because helicopters come in right behind us and pick it up and that sort of thing. So probably a test vehicle. I also tell people rather frequently that, you know, don't be surprised that strange things fly in the desert. The area to the north of where I am here is where we developed the U-2, the SR-71, the stealth aircraft, and a host of others. So there are strange things that fly out there. That does not make a E.T.
2: Correct. Uh, and we never can be fully sure at what level our exotic, secret, black project technology has attained and i'm sure if you were flying around and uh... you were driving out in the desert in seventy nine eighty and a stealth fighter or bomber flew over you and you had your radio on you saw a ufo well this brings me to another you mentioned uh... you you're out in vegas sarah and uh... it is a hotbed for uh... technological development why don't you tell us about your relationship with the uh, Robert Bigelow and the NIDS uh the National Institute of Discovery Science? I, I believe you were managing uh director there for a number of years. What, what is Bigelow's interest in UFOs and in the near-death experience realm? I, I understand he has a very, very uh, avid interest in NDEs uh, related possibly to, uh, to the passing of his son, I've heard. Um, why don't you give us a, a, just kind of a thumbnail sketch on how you became involved with NIDS, and then we'll, we'll go into some of the uh, projects that NIDS has been involved with.
8: Well, Ned's was another serendipitous event. Um, I was actually hosting a small meeting at uh, my house in Santa Fe, talking about alt, uh, you know alternative energy sources and things like this. It was a private group at uh, the house, and uh, over a weekend. And Sunday morning, we're in the uh, kitchen uh, getting ready to. I, I lived in Santa Fe, as opposed to Los Alamos. And um, getting ready to head to the El- uh, Albuquerque airport, and the phone rings, and this guy says, "You know, I I'm Robert Bagelow. I've heard about you. Have you got anything interesting going on?" I said, "Well, tell you
1: what, that's so interesting, I'm going to make it a cliffhanger, and we're going yeah. to have the second part of that question in a moment after we pause to take care of some business." Dr. John Alexander joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
9: Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then... That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack.
12: Attack. of the The Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. This is Alex Jones with five good reasons you should consider buying a solar power generator. Number one, new climate legislation could easily double or triple your electric bill. Number two, our new energy czar wants to control how much power your electric company allows you to have. It's true. Total government control of electricity in the name of smart grid technology is coming. Number three. In some areas of the country, the power grid is dangerously overloaded. And now new socialist legislation is only compounding the problem. Number four, dangerous weather is always a threat to local grids. Every year, thousands of families lose their power from weather-related outages. Number five, a solar power generator provides powerful backup insurance and peace of mind. Folks, I really believe in the solar power generators offered by Solutions from Science, one of my oldest sponsors. You can get more information at www.mysolarbackup.com. That's mysolarbackup.com. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun. So go to mysolarbackup.com or call 1-877-327-0365.
10: This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge.
12: Have you ever wondered if you could make
10: your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy tesla technology register early for the best seats in advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com that's r-charge.com for details or call 208-772-4514 that's 208-772-4514
6: America's number one source for independent talk radio for
7: over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
8: This is Philip Rogno. You're listening to Paracast, one of the most informative shows out there. So listen closely.
1: We return, cliffhanger afoot. <laughs> We have Dr. John Alexander as our guest. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co host. You're in the PowerCast. And you got a call from Robert Bigelow. He found you somewhere. Tell us about that call.
8: Well, he he had, you know, just search around. And um, he was known for Sunday morning phone, phone calls, that's when he catches up on stuff. Um,. So anyway, I said, you're interested in these areas, you got anything of interest, Uh, and then arranged to uh, fly over and came over. We talked in general, and I had introduced him to, uh, among things, Ferris Williams, who was working on some advanced theories. He had been at Los Alamos and was now uh, elsewhere. And uh, he had decided that he wanted to create uh, an organization And he did have intense personal interest in uh, the two areas that you mentioned, uh, continuation of consciousness and uh, UFOs. Uh, UFOs came from some sightings that uh, I know his parents had had and grandparents continuation of consciousness. You mentioned the unfortunate incident that he had uh, lost his son. One of the things that surprised me, I had actually seen him once before, but had not met him. This was at the uh, conference that uh, John Mack had held at uh, MIT. Uh, He and Dave Pritchard had won on abductions uh, earlier, and he had shown up there. Uh, What I didn't know at the time is his son had just died, and so obviously this was an issue that was kind of forefront of uh, his personal consciousness. So we described or discussed how to uh, build such an organization. We he actually looked at the Santa Fe Institute and thought about taking that over, just buying it. And he said, "Well, the problem there is you had Murray Gell-Mann, who was a Nobel physicist, and some pretty big egos." Uh, probably wouldn't work, so decided to create uh, what became the National Institute of Discovery Science. Well, the one point that Bob and I disagreed on, and, and I agreed to come over on a, a part-time basis, I had just retired uh, a second time from uh, University of California, which actually runs the National Lab. And... Um, what I proposed was that we ought to get together and collect a lot of observations, and from that develop what the organization ought to look like. Being an engineer, Bob picked up his uh, pen and went over and says, ah, "We got, we got these two fields, and you know here are the sub-elements under each one." Uh, and following the golden rule, we did it his way, of course. But now, I would correct I was not a director. We actually brought in Colm Kelleher uh, who did a phenomenal job as the guy who ran things from uh, day to day again I was uh on basically a half time basis because I was continuing to do work in, particularly in uh non lethal weapons and, and other areas uh, for the government so i've um i I've always had multifaceted uh Interests, if you will. So anyway, from that we created it. One of the misperceptions, I think, has to do with Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, That's actually a working ranch, but had heard about it and uh,
2: some very strange things uh, going on. And uh, I actually I was one of the first investigators up there. By the way, I was there. I was the one that actually gave. uh, Well, Tom Gorman, Terry Sherman. bigelow's number also the number lawrence rockefeller and before he could make the call to see if these gentlemen would be interested in buying the ranch and doing something with it similar to what nids uh, eventually did you robert bigelow found out about the the ufo sightings up there and went ahead and called him on his own
8: well i I, but i'd like to point out and and uh, chris you're well aware of this that you know the issues there were not just ufos i mean the (laughs) kinds of incidents that went on there are just you know, kind of mind-boggling. Uh, and hence, this gets back to my thing about we ought to be looking at things broader rather than labeling them up front and then certain, setting uh, certain expectations about what the parameters are. I think that's been one of the yeah, fatal correct. flaws in the field. Yep, that, uh, they got the we, blinders uh, on. Yeah, we say we're only going to study this much and say what the... a lot of other stuff that's related to this as some know, I have keep throwing out the line. Maybe somebody will bite uh, sooner or later to do a step back conference where we can get people who have had broad uh, exposure and have them get together and just put up on a board and we call monstergrams. Here are the observations, but without assigning values to them. In other words, they're not UFOs or poltergeists or near-death or whatnot. To say, this is what we see, and then in stepping back and then doing the macro-pattern analysis and say, how do these pieces go together, or do they? I mean, maybe they don't. Uh, my notion is that uh, consciousness is a, a very important piece
2: of whatever it is that we're exploring. Right. We can't even define consciousness, let uh, alone factor it into all these mysteries. One of the things towards the end of the book uh, that you mention is your idea of precognitive sentient phenomena and the way that these, uh, especially the Skinwalker Ranch would be a, a classic illustration of this, where the phenomena tends to sec- be one step ahead of the researchers and tends to play with you. And you actually use the, my, <laughs> my, my term, uh, the trickster. Uh, mm-hmm. You're one of the first people that I've seen actually equate some of this stuff to the trickster in, in the sense of it is playing with it. It's, it's jerking us around. And, of course, we've, we've talked with uh, George Knapp here on the Paracast, and he related the story of the, of the camera being focused on another camera, security camera, and having the one camera go down and have all the uh, wires pulled out, and the other camera didn't pick up anything. Now, how do you explain that?
8: Well, uh, I've included that case uh, in the book because it's so spectacular, and a classic example, uh, you had uh, camera one looking at camera two, you're on a second and a third uh, time-lapse 24-7, you know when it happened, and it's just, it it literally can't happen. All of the things that happened could not have happened between frames, Um, and to make matters, you know, more complex is the cattle at the time of the incident were kind of milling around. And what we knew is anytime somebody approached the cattle or dogs or anything, they would scatter and did
2: not happen. Well, speaking of cattle, the uh, the very disturbing incident when uh, the rancher and his wife were out in the field checking on calves and they were literally in broad daylight in the same field within maybe three hundred yards of another cow and calf they just checked and they turn around and go back and the the darn thing is has been eviscerated uh... i mean really dramatically with no evidence of what had done it except that it looked like a sharp implement like a knife had been used on the animal yeah,
8: that and is another that case, yeah, that's another case that i've included in the book because it is so spectacular uh, most cattle mutilations, you don't know when it occurs. I mean, people say, how can that happen? Well, it turns out that you know ranchers sometimes don't see cattle for a month or so if they're out grazing on their own. So when you run across uh, a dead cow, you don't know exactly when it happened. This happened within you know 45 to 50 minutes. And in broad daylight, open field, and one of the things that I mentioned in there, they said, well, everybody talks about the blood ran into the ground. So I had the guys go to a uh, uh, butcher shop and come out with blood, pour it on the ground. And, you know, you could go by weeks later and say, you know what? Blood was poured on the ground there. And at the site where the cattle, you know, this young calf had been mutilated, uh, you know, no blood.
2: Yeah, and we're talking five, six gallons of blood and fluids that, yeah. that we're missing.
8: You cannot well, exsanguinate yeah. uh, that no. that rapidly, uh, and again in an open field. You know, Within inside of the rancher. Area, yeah, remember that this is an area where they shoot cattle rustlers.
2: I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, so they don't mess the around. The idea
8: that you're going to do this in broad daylight is just
2: not happening. Exactly. Now, here's something I haven't heard mentioned uh, much. This was told to me by. Uh, here's something that we have to mention
1: right now. Okay. Okay. We have Dr. John Alexander. The book is UFOs, Myths, and Conspiracies and Realities, all that stuff in one big bucket. <laughs> the co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast.
3: Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. one 804 my tv The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call one 804 804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 in up to four rooms. And, there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR Upgrade and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call one eight seven seven eight zero four 804 my tv So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call one eight seven seven eight zero four 804 my tv one 804 my tv Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. one 804 my tv
16: Going solar for cheap is as easy as 123. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. Hi, right, this
19: If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading
20: tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem, guaranteed.
19: He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you, too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search
7: no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
0: You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast.
1: Our guest is Dr. John Alexander. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. You are here in the Paracast, and Chris has been doing some hard questioning of Dr. Alexander with regard to the investigations involving the Skinwalker Ranch, the involvement of Robert Bigelow, and maybe later we're going to talk about, if you have any knowledge of it, Dr. Alexander. Chris, you want to pick up from here?
2: Sure. Um, there, uh, you know, we could do a whole show just on the Skinwalker Ranch case, John. Uh, honestly, it's one of the most important, I think, pivotal cases ever because we have a world-class scientific effort that's monitoring the area. And this brings to mind a question that's been on the minds of a lot of people that have been very interested in this uh, ongoing case. And that is, are we ever going to see any more about this case? Are we going to see papers published? Uh, are we going to see any other books? Um, one of the disappointments of *Hunt for the Skinwalker*, George and Colum's book, was that there were no uh, there was no real data in there in terms of photographs, graphs, any sort of uh, micro uh, identification of micro patterns, that sort of thing. There's no mention of the. Strange metallic rods that were found uh, on a mutilated cow, which I found very intriguing that Terry told me about there's
8: yeah but the I rods think... were examined i mean that's why it 's interesting because i've seen that mattered about on the blogs it was element one fifteen what absolute nonsense well yeah. they were these were from a lamp <laughs> you know they, basically there were lights uh, old old light systems that were there. Uh, that one is a classic case of how the information gets so grossly distorted. Yeah, you know, a defies common sense, and and b it just gets out of hand, and you know people pick it up and start
2: running with it. And if those things had been area uh, element one fifteen, you would have needed a forklift to pick them up. <laughs> Well, no. Uh, if
8: if those uh, ever exist, they, they come into physical reality for tiny, tiny fractions of a second. They're so unstable. <laughs> right. You certainly would not have uh, have metal rods like that. Right. And again, we, well, are we gonna knew see, absolutely
2: are we, what they were. Are we going to see anything? Uh, you know, one of the complaints that you constantly hear about Robert Bigelow being a very well-heeled private uh, individual. Obviously, he has rights uh, to, you know, retain the confidentiality of any data that his team gathers. But do you think he feels any sort of compulsion to share with other researchers like myself? And I could rattle off a list of uh, other objective, you know, fairly, I think, grounded researchers that, that possibly could help. And, and, and if some of this data was shared... With a qualified uh, members of the research community, perhaps more heads are better than one. Perhaps we can we can maybe solve uh, a couple of these puzzles. Uh, does he have, a, to your knowledge, does he have any inclination to do this?
8: The uh, short answer is no. Right. No. Yeah. Now, there were a number of papers that were up on the uh, NIDS website. Yeah. And, uh, there were, and they're
2: very good, too.
8: That's, uh, as far as I know, has been taken down, so... Um, um, I'm not sure that you'll see it repeated. Now, you know, Bob has gone on to uh, other areas. He has some minor interest, I think, in, uh, you know, he keeps his finger in the pie here. But remember, what they're doing is vitally important, and that is that, you know, big old aerospace, most people are not aware that you have two satellites circling the Earth as we speak
2: that are owned by him, you know, right. private, private individual, not government. Uh, and, and NASA issue. has contracted him to to provide modules, I think, for the International Space Station. Correct me if I'm wrong. You
8: know, eventually, um, and he's, it looks like the business is getting ready to uh, expand uh, again. He had shot off the two. Now, interestingly, in order to put them into orbit, he had to go to the Russians, and they had launched out of Ukraine. Uh, one of the problems there, of course, is that the Russians recognized that they, you know, kind of had a lock on the market and quadrupled the prices. Um, and what I wanted to mention, that, uh, you know, the forward, uh, well, actually, the introduction to my book is written by Bert Rutan. And as we mentioned, he's the one who circumnavigated the world and won the N-Series uh, X Prize, and is just a world-class uh, uh, aerospace engineer. And he had done, when they put Mike Melville into space the first time, he uh, had created Spaceship One, the White Knight to lift it to orbit, Uh, the uh, station uh, refueling, command and control, two rocket engine designs, and did all that for $25 million. Bob is doing the same thing in space, and I had access to the numbers. I had actually written this in uh, Winning the War when I had warned that we had a very narrow window to maintain our advantage, which we have since relinquished. My guesstimate was that he had a 30 to 1 cost advantage over NASA, and that was based on wow. cubic space available. What both Begalo and Bert Rutan have been doing is attacking the business model and says you know you don't need governments to keep you uh in space and it can be done much more effectively with private industry in my view that's huge you know yeah. even compared to ufos that's huge I and mean, that's here
2: today very practical so um, getting getting back to the ranch uh and i do uh, before i get back to the ranch i do uh I admire uh, Bigelow's dedication and the amount of money he's investing in in this effort. And uh, I do wish him the, the, you know, the best of success in this endeavor. But let's get back to the ranch again before we move on. I, back in 2004, was contacted by a researcher who had heard a rumor that Jack Sarfati was looking into uh, something he was told while in England uh, at a dinner with uh, Nick Cook and Yuri Geller about a, a possible murders of uh, security personnel on the ranch in Utah. And Sarfati was looking uh, into this and trying to get to the bottom of it. He didn't tell my friend not to say anything, so the friend, of course, asked me. I made a, just an innocent remark on a small little bulletin board, and for the next two weeks, had to withstand the wrath of Sarfati. And last year, he came forward (laughs) after Robert Bigelow made a very interesting comment in a New York Times article about aliens and the possibility of them being hostile. And to your knowledge, has anyone suffered any sort of uh, ill effects from being on the ranch in close proximity to what we both agree are very strange, phenomenal events?
8: Um, no, now, you know there is the story when when Terry sold the ranch, there was an incident that happened a short time before that, and some bad things happened, but it wasn't to people um he had these blue balls that he said were floating at a very low level and over I the was ranch.
2: on the phone with Terry when this happened by the way yeah. well, there I there literally was on about the phone. The dogs. Yeah, yeah, when they got melted. Yeah. In Coleman, well, in George's we, we book, think, they no, missed Well, no,
8: there again, were, there's an assumption here, is that as they went off, you know, and then he didn't find them, and the assumption is that the little grease spots, if you will, were the dogs. Yeah. Um, and, and that, as you know, scared him because particularly of his kids, said, you know, they might get antagonistic and uh, have bad
2: things happen. Yeah, I was on, like, again, I was on the phone literally with Terry during that incident, and I was very dismayed to see the date as being incorrect. I'm a meticulous documentarian when it comes to these types of reports, and Comb and George had the date April of 95 when it actually occurred in August 96. Uh, which I pointed out in a review of the book. I love the book. I recommend it to people. But, you know, you never know how accurate certain things are. And, uh, you know, this rumor that Sarfati, you know, was chasing down and publicly and, you know, announced it uh, last year. Came from a fairly good source. So I, I felt obliged to get an official <laughs> response from you on that because if anybody would know about something like that, it would be you. Obviously, it would be very difficult to cover up deaths of that nature. But yeah, I just I, think I it's my
8: Certainly not. Yeah. And one of the problems you hear about is you, you, you get into murders and you can go off in a whole new conspiracy stream there and you go, but yep. where, are the, where are the bodies? <laughs> you know, just- yeah, exactly. Yeah, where are the bodies? If you have
1: a question or a comment about the Paracast, write us, news at theparacast.com. Once again, that's news at theparacast.com. Before we go into all those conspiracy streams, I've got some of my own. <laughs> We're talking to Dr. John Alexander. The co-host is... Ooh, listen to that noise. They're after me. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in... The Paracast.
0: welcome back to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio and now here's gene steinberg
1: we return with dr john alexander i'm gene steinberg the co-host is chris o'brien you're in the paracast chris let's just pick up again briefly On that point you were about to make before our break, and then we have loads and loads, did I say loads, of questions from our listeners that they want to ask. So let's go from
2: there. Well, my point is this. We we both agree, I I think, and and I'm sure the scientists and others who were up at the ranch during its heyday in the late 90s uh, to about about 9-11 is when most of the activity appears to have happened, Uh, although we don't know for sure uh, about what has happened since. Um, recently, there have been uh, rumors, and I do have sources up in the area that have talked about a dog-headed humanoid creature that has been sighted on a number of occasions. Now, these are these are sightings that are in the area there of the ranch, but not directly on the ranch, uh, to my knowledge. In fact, uh, one of these uh, stories comes from Fort Duchesne.
8: Well, well Chris, I, I, and as you know... This is an area phenomenon. It is not just bound by the ranch or
2: the borders of the ranch per se. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to ask is do you feel that there's an interconnectedness uh, between these phenomenal events, number one? And number two, do you feel that the Native American interpretation should be listened to a little bit more? than just uh, going with the strict scientific paradigm. Do you think that there's any sort of cultural knowledge that may share some insight and give us a little added information with which to investigate these events?
8: Well, remember that the uh, Native American population in the area has been there a lot longer than the whites. And I do think they ought to be uh, listened to. You know, there's, there's a lot to be learned from folklore and where things came uh, come from. Unfortunately, most of our technologically advanced societies, we tend to discount those stories. And, and sometimes it's, you know, there's a kernel of truth that's been expanded upon uh, greatly, uh, but certainly areas that do need to be uh, listened to. You had asked the area about the related phenomenon. This, again, gets back to the step uh, the step back. Bought this uh, because of UFOs. Yes, UFOs are seen there, but so are and all of the things that you have described. And you go, in, in my view, it's like, I, I can't use the acronym, but the, the WTF. How do you figure out how these pieces go together?
2: <laughs> exactly, which is something that I've been working on uh, very diligently. I've come up with an idea that we have a causal mechanism that I refer to as the trickster, but that's that's another whole show. Thank you so much for uh, sharing some of your insight about the ranch. I think uh, we have a bunch of questions that our forum listeners have uh have posted. Some of them are a little bit more serious than others. (laughs) The first set of questions I think you might get a chuckle out of, is your wife really a vampire? Have you done ayahuasca like she has? And what experiences have you had? And then there's the whole idea of uh, explaining about the aviary and some of the misconceptions, I think, that have sprung up around that particular term. (laughs) Do you want to handle those? (laughs) Well, the
8: short one. No, Victoria is not a vampire. <laughs> I, mean, I wonder where that one comes from. I uh, had dinner with
2: her, and she didn't try to bite me. So, yeah, I
8: know that. Uh, actually, there was a BBC interview uh, that was done. Again, the topic was non-lethal weapons, and uh, they almost came up with that. Like were these dark people that slunk off into the dark no, we were in a hotel in Washington. I mean uh, you know, the reporter was telling us how scared he was. Well, uh, if if this is a war reporter and he's scared in a hotel in Washington, I'd hate to see what he'd do in a real war zone.
2: <laughs> Well, uh, what about uh, ayahuasca and the whole role of psychedelics as a potential investigative tool? You and I briefly touched on this uh, at the conference. You, you asked about my knowledge about ayahuasca. Dimethyltryptamine, as Terence McKenna pointed out for many years, does appear to open a doorway to another uh, aspect of consciousness and reality. And uh, I do know that uh, you have been to Brazil and you have uh, met Iowas uh, scarrows and and in fact, you're going, I think uh, in the not too distant future to to address a conference down there. What, yeah, what are we, your feelings about that?
8: Well, first of all, I'm not a participant. Even though I would point out that uh, ayahuasca, uh, and it's mostly in Peru, though we have been in uh, Brazil and uh, Ecuador as well, not only is it legal there, it is part of the national heritage. So their approach to this as a country is very, very different than uh, uh, we approach it here. It certainly... It seems to open some very interesting channels, and uh, this actually ties into what we've been discussing. Some of the shamans that I've met there, I mean, these are phenomenal people, and some of them are in positions where they've never made nor received a phone call. I mean, you get out, in and we're, tribes are hunter-gatherers still. Uh, hard for the Western society to imagine this and yet their knowledge of uh biology and herbology is just um, you know well it's dazzling uh, it's not stunning not terrible yeah and um the point uh, that i would have is that you know we talk about the spirit world and the world we live in as two separate and distinct entities uh, for the shamans, they move seamlessly back and forth and i 've done a lot of interviews, and they will be describing things. You have to say, "No no, wait a minute, are we talking about consensus reality as we know it, or are we talking you know these spirit realms and whatnot uh, because you know again
2: they don 't see a separation uh between the two. No, oh, and there's there's uh, accounts of uh, just obvious telepathy that uh, that has occurred during uh, monitored um, ayahuasca sessions down there where. Everybody does have shared hallucinations, for lack of a better term, although I think that is a woefully inadequ- inadequate term in this regard. But uh, do you feel that this is a possible investigative tool that should, should uh, you know, with strict parameters and obviously uh, checks and balances could possibly yeah, it's,
8: be? It's, it, well, the problem is, you know, that if you just mentioned drugs here, you know, Americans tend to go into a low hover and I think we have definitely thrown the baby out with the bathwater uh, one of the guys that I worked with early on was uh, John Lilly you know, who of course had done the LSD research you know legally and whatnot did you know just a phenomenal guy and yeah we're, we're so afraid of things I you're actually heading into an area we might want to discuss longer because the problem that I see and this is bleeds over in a near-death experience and religion and all those things, is the institutions are scared to death of direct experience. And remember I mentioned the, the, the difference between religiousness and spirituality that uh, right. uh, Elizabeth had me change. And the point here was that these the spiritual people have these experiences, and they have direct experience. And that's very hard to control. So there are there is a control aspect to this uh, from institutional standpoints, be they government institutions
2: or religious institutions. Well, one of the things that uh, psychedelics have a tendency to do is reveal the inner truth about things and also break down cultural boundaries, both of which are not necessarily going to serve the government agenda very well, so that could possibly be one reason why there's been such a, a boot stamped down on psychedelic research. We do know from the past that, that psychedelics have been instrumental in changing uh, the lives of chronic alcoholics. They've uh, recidivism uh, in prisons. Uh, Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert did an incredible study in the early '60s with LSD and, uh, and, and prison inmates. Uh, it is a very potentially a very fruitful avenue for for mental health, uh, at the very least. But having been someone who I and I proudly say I was quite a uh, <laughs> a psychonaut uh, when I was much younger, I have you're admitting a to feeling. your wayward youth, Chris oh, O'Brien. Absolutely. <laughs> Proudly.
1: Okay, I will get into more of Chris O'Brien's wayward youth. Maybe Dr. John Alexander's wayward youth, but not Gene Steinberg's wayward youth, because you don't want to hear have the have tales. One. We, <laughs> we have Dr. Didn't John have Alexander youth? joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. <laughs>
21: As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the US dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power $3 of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1 800 686 2237 extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth a zero. Call 1 800 686 2237 extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1 800 686 2237 extension 169.
6: This message starts with a great offer from Big Berkey Water Filters because we don't want you drinking dangerous water one minute longer. Right now, purchase any filter system from BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com to get your choice of two Berkey sport bottles, a KDF shower filter, a set of fluoride filters, or our new site class spigot absolutely free. Why do this? Because over 60% of municipal water is fluoridated and at less than 2 cents per gallon, Berkey Water Filters purify both treated and untreated water, removing dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and other contaminants. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, so they're perfect for rainwater collection systems and emergency preparedness. Remember, Big Berkey includes free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit B-I-G-B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's Big Berkey or call today
16: 1-877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. The largest part of gaining radiant health is detoxification. You can drink ionized water, cleanse your intestines, eat a perfect diet, and even take lots of quality supplements and in many instances only make minimal progress. What is the key to detoxifying your body of mercury, heavy metals, chemicals, and drugs? It is glutathione. Glutathione is the master antioxidant used to detoxify your entire body. It stops free radicals, keeps cells young, and reduces inflammation. One World Whey protein powder may be able to raise your glutathione production by 64% or more. One World Whey is more effective than any other whey protein powder on the market because it is unheated and from grass-fed cows. All other, quote, cold-processed whey protein powders have been heated and damaged by 15% or more. One World Whey comes in three delicious flavors. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888 888- 988-3325 or visit oneworldway.com. That's oneworld, W-H-E-Y, dot
7: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here.
0: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about The Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes.
1: Just remind you, on the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien, we have Dr. John Alexander. And we have been also asking your questions, getting your comments about the interview that we're doing today. We can't always guarantee that we'll get to all the questions, but we'll try to get to the most interesting ones. And if we don't get to the question you want,
2: it's Chris's fault, right? Yeah, blame it on me. Because you're there. uh, John to come on our forums and answer some if we don't cover them all. (laughs) <laughs> okay, here's some more. This is from Blowfish, uh, one of our uh, big posters. He's posted uh, almost a thousand times on the forum. First of all, what are your thoughts, John, on Ingo Swann's book, Penetration? And did you ever see any indications of past or future nuclear explosions in space? Now, basically what he's talking about is, is your work with uh, remote viewing teams. And he also asks if uh, your remote viewers ever had any strange awareness, quote-unquote, uh, encounters or shadow people or other foreign type of what appear to be intelligences during remote viewing sessions.
8: Yeah, well, let me clarify a point. I, I was not with the remote viewing unit. I did some other things in parallel. Uh, we have since become friends and I, I knew some of the people then knew more of them now. Uh, Ingo is a personal friend. There are areas that we sort of agree to disagree. Interestingly, in the uh, book that's mentioned, he has been... Uh, I gave him a copy earlier. I saw him in uh, November when I was in New York and uh, gave him uh, you know, a pre-publication uh, when it was still in galleys. And he has been telling people all over that they really need to read it. it. No not I mean, he just comes up with things from time to time that are very hard to discern. Uh, unfortunately, he is not doing more remote viewing now, but uh, he was certainly one of the best, and the whole field owes him a great deal because he's the one who came up with the matrix concept, which allowed this to be
2: really a more trainable skill. Yeah, exactly. So you weren't actually directly involved in any sort of remote viewing work then, is what you're saying? Not, like, not here. probably about in the
8: units. No, I, the work that I did was more, I did a lot of stuff with psychokinesis, uh, some know about the white white cell, you know, remote perception tests uh, that we did. That that was separate from uh,
2: the programs that they finally know as Stargate. Well, here's, here's an interesting one. This, uh, this is from J.J. Flash, who is a recent addition to our forum uh, family. And he reposts an article that was written in, by, I think, a Sharon Weinberger in The Washington Post in 2007. And it talks about a gentleman named Harlan Gerard, who oh, personally holds you responsible for the voices in his head. <laughs>
8: well, I mean, when we heard this, that you this. did
2: something to someone
1: that they resent you for. Or maybe they like voices in their head.
8: Yeah, first encountered him in the um, you know ninety two ninety three time frame when I held the first non lethal weapons uh, conference at uh, John Hopkins uh, Applied Physics Lab uh, in Maryland, and they showed up. And it was a classified meeting, so they couldn't get in, so we were picketed. And then he asked me to have uh, hold a minute of silence for the 50,000 people we had killed in high-power microwave experiments. And you go, wow. That's, That's as incredible. many folks as died in Vietnam. You know? yeah. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> I mean, it just <laughs> defies common sense. And. and Actually, uh, two years ago, I'll be going back to Germany in a couple months, but two years ago at the biannual conference, uh, some people got in to talk about these issues. I get picketed internationally there, and it's on the same issue, and Harlan was actually one of the people who flew over from the U.S. for it. My point would be the much more practical or pragmatic answer is that uh, actually 0.5 percent of the people could be legitimately classified as paranoid. Now that may not sound like a lot until you say in a million or in the U.S. that's a million and a half people. So when you put it in real numbers, it's a little scary. There's a lot of crazy folks out there. You know, that's kind of where it is.
2: But more than okay. you might anticipate. Yes, and I have encountered one or two. Fortunately, I don't have a target on my backside like you apparently do <laughs> with with your work history and, and your your outspoken nature, which we're really enjoying here. And we, we really thank you for being on. Uh, here's another question. This is from Kandinsky, who's another longtime poster. Uh, on the paracast and he mentions the uh... the infamous gulf breeze six uh... incident with lance Davison, the mm-hmm. bunch that went awol in germany back in nineteen ninety right. and what what do you make of that whole scenario being given messages uh... with through a ouija board that they have to save the world and going awol and why were these these uh... these army members uh allowed to you know leave the army without uh, prejudice can you share some light on that
8: I, I think we just answered that in the last question <laughs> <laughs> in, in the art the army is not immune one of the key people that was with Harlan actually was a warrant officer who had you know been through the system now I mentioned that she had come with certified papers, because when they let her go, it was a medical discharge. And she was, in fact, one of the cute articles that showed up was that he claimed that people had uh, snuck into her apartment and put her white mice in the blender, and they got a note. This was in a newspaper article. It says, John, did you put the mice in the blender? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. (laughs) But like I say, there are no limits to crazy.
2: This is true. Here's a a rather long question, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase it. We haven't talked about Men Who Stare at Goats, the John Ronson uh, book, and then subsequent dark comedy films starring George Clooney and Kevin Mm -hmm. Spacey, who... Some people suggest may have been loosely modeled on you that character. This is the first time, by the way, we've had a guest on who has <laughs> inspired a character in a movie, or has allegedly inspired a, inspired a character for a, for a main Hollywood mainstream Hollywood film. But the question broadly says is, what do you think of that particular de- depiction of yeah, of what was going on with the? Uh, the yeah, Earth I'm not sure where
8: we're spot. at because. This may take just a little bit. The point here is that in the book, it is unambiguous who we are. And when the book came out, we are in there by name. So right. you don't you don't have to guess who we are. Uh, I enter, I think, on page 44 and say throughout the rest of the book. Uh, the Jeff Bridges character was a one-on-one for a good friend of mine, Jim yeah, Shannon, Jim who Shannon. really yeah. did create the 1st Earth Battalion. Uh, the guy is a, a brilliant imagineer. One of the problems I had when the book first came out was I could identify 16 people, and I actually denied meeting uh, John Ronson, and he sent me an email. It was something that was so specific that he must have been in my house. I went back, and sure enough, uh, he had been here, but he was like a grip, okay? He had come with John Sargent, who was a filmmaker, whom I did interview with on several occasions, uh, who was known, and I did talk to him. I had no idea he was doing the book. I'll tell you what, let's
1: go into the men who stare at goats, and lots more out there. John Alexander joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You're in The Paracast.
7: Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the Earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel... Are devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and affording phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. That's Mr. UFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. <laughs>
10: with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey Guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping, an $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey Guy at one 886 3653 That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today.
14: There's mounting evidence suggesting that there are people, governments, corporations, and whole professions intent on short-circuiting humanity's well-being. GMO, food legislation protecting big agriculture, the attempted elimination of vitamins and alternative medicines. It seems their hand has been tipped. They want to dictate your health, wealth, and your longevity. Whatever the outcome, we have a solution. Wild edible food. Why worry about food when all has been provided? We imagine that we were ejected from the garden and never invited back, but the garden's still here. There is an endless wild abundance which grows all over our green earth just waiting for you to wake up and see it. Let author Linda Runyon teach you how to see, know, get, prepare, store, and eat wild edible food. Save money, add nutrition, and ignore the noise when you go shopping in nature's supermarket. Go to ofthefield.com and get started today. Or call one 888 eat free That's ofthefield.com or call one 888 eat free and begin to see a different world.
16: Your life with
20: My name's John, and I've been having problems with my blood pressure for years. My doctor's tried everything without much success. I heard about ExtendoVite from a friend and thought, why not give it a try? It's been three months now, and my doctor's very pleased with how my blood pressure's finally coming down. I have a lot more energy than I've had in a long time. It's working for me. For 12 years now, I've been helping people. My name is Don Wiskin, and I
10: want you to know Extendivite works. If you're looking for more energy or just want to be as healthy as you can, now is the time to join the growing list of real people benefiting from Extendivite. To order, call 1 877 928 8822. That's 1 877 928 8822, or visit our website at harddrop.com. Extend your life
16: with Extendover.
10: America's
7: number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
14: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast.
1: Dr. John Alexander is our guest. We're talking about the men who stare at goats, and that gets to be interesting. I want to ask a couple of questions before we go back to the comments from our forum members at com. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Powercast. So let me ask you the really hard question here. Of the book, The Men Who Stare at Goats, how close is that to what we saw in the movies?
8: Well, let's say they took about 5% truth and wrote a book. And from that, they extrapolated to a movie. In fact, I have uh, half of
1: 1% the way movies go.
8: Yeah. We haven't mentioned, I do have a website, uh, com, And I've actually addressed this in, uh, a, fair amount of detail. They go in there as to what was real and what was not real. The not real for sure is staring at goats and having them die. And they had bought into a story that, uh, you know, without checking it. And certainly the LSD stuff in that time frame is uh, just uh, an absolute non-starter. They did use you know, non-lethal weapons, remote viewing. There's an incident in there where Clooney walks into a room and the computer crash Uh, now he has that in area 51 that really happened in augsburg germany that was Lynn buchanan and so there are a number of little vignettes uh, that are uh, sort of true the thing that got me and probably longer than you want to go into here was to why steering and uh, whatnot might have come been done for some very practical purposes uh, there was a guy by the name of Nick Rowe, an American hero who was captured in Vietnam, uh, held for five years. We got him back again during a raid in 68. Later went on to run the series, the Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape course. And he had heard about Dim Mac, or the Death Touch, and really did send some people out to uh, look at that. But his premise was, after a You know, five years of practical experience that you could influence people by staring, not to kill them, but, you know, can I just get them to walk a little bit farther in one direction or not look at things while you're doing something else? And, and again, the background information on that is posted on my website, and it's also on Jimmy Shannon's 1st Earth Battalion. When people click...
1: On your name at com, John B. Alexander, Ph.D., that will go right to your
2: site. We make it easy for them to find it. Chris, any more questions left? Yes, I've uh, actually got got a number of them. Um, one of the things that uh, is mentioned in this particular uh, long, uh, about four-paragraph question, it, it might be inappropriate in a Paracast interview, but you might ask him if the reputation his wife has for literally never eating anything is true. Now John I must say I was at dinner with you twice with Victoria and she never ate a morsel so That's right. so so I'm going to I'm going to talk about this and also her self description as a practicing uh witch uh which I'm not sure is a proper term that that she uses but he says be- and bearing in mind all the other weird stuff that John is into that might also be true too but best steer clear of that and of course this is a Paracast, so we have to ask the questions <laughs>
8: Yeah, the answer is uh, she's not a breatharian, but she defies everything you have ever learned about nutrition. She has, uh, we've been married almost 20 years and is on a normal diet that is less than 600 calories and uh, survives quite well on it and never does eat, never eats in public uh, at the moment, her diet and has been for many many years is uh, egg whites. I would I also medically don't try this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it, don't try it's this at home, listeners. Everything that uh, that you've heard about uh, nutrition uh, for her it works.
2: My goodness. Well, how about her interest in uh, in the more natural or uh, nature based uh, belief systems, uh, which is commonly misreferred to as as witchcraft. She does uh, seem to have some pretty uh, eclectic interests in uh, nature, religion. So, what are your feelings about spirituality that harkens back to more of a you know archaic revival, if you will? Yeah, uh, I,
8: I would say that's a misinterpretation. Uh, totally, uh, she is interested in uh, saints and some of the phenomenal uh, incidents around saints. Uh, as you mentioned, she does uh, explore ayahuasca, but uh, not. Uh, I think there's some, there's some mythology out there that's misplaced about
2: any of the darker arts, if you will. Oh boy, aren't there? That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. We've got uh, another question about uh, Colonel Corso. Let's quickly revisit the Corso scenario. What do you think his motivations were? First of all, to come forward, and second of all, to allow a co-writer to embellish his original accounts. Which, by the way, Open Minds, the organization that put on the recent UFO Congress, um, has published his original manuscript, which I understand is is quite different from the yeah. from the final version of the book, uh, The Day Good. After Roswell. What do you think his motivations were to come forward? Uh, Some people have surmised that perhaps it was just to uh, maybe get some notoriety in his later years and potentially have a bestseller so that he could generate some money for his family. What are your feelings on
8: that? The the name of the chapter in my book is called The Corso Conundrum, And it's specifically because of this. Uh, Like I say, he was a great guy. Um, We knew him, you know, as I said before, the book ever came out uh, Bob had actually offered to help him uh, get it in there uh, which you didn't mention and George Knapp was supposed to have been the co-author and that's how we learned about him because this had come about you know, long before Bill Burns uh, came on the scene um, he was who he said he was, he was in most of those places um, he did good things at the appropriate level for where he was at, uh, and uh, why, I just don't know. I mean, that all was bug. me. We tried to help him get a movie. Uh, Unfortunately, he couldn't do it. Uh, Steven Seagal is a personal friend of mine, and he wanted to make the movie, and we had Phil out to uh, try and do that. And it turns out that uh, his agent had kept the rights, so Phil couldn't sign the deal. And, uh, and that's know. about it. I will say that one of the last things he told me uh, when we were at the house there, because he was writing some more, and, and you know, he was not computer literate. So as you've seen, if you go on the website, and, and you're certainly correct about how different uh, the book is from the uh, uh, original manuscript, but there are handwritten parts, there's typed and, you know, kind of clues together, uh, if you will. But um, well, what he said was he needed to do another book to correct the errors that were in the uh, original. And he had it received, and I mean, People have accused me of speaking ill of the dead and that. And I said, I haven't said anything I didn't say to him directly. And because in publishing that letter, that is a letter that went to him right after the uh, book came out. And again, 90-some errors, and some many of them very, very significant. Yes. <laughs> and demonstrably <laughs> I false. I mean, we're not talking yeah. interpretation. We're talking demonstrably yeah. false.
1: Therefore, yeah, he, he just, did not funnel secret alien technology into private industry. Not at all.
8: It's certainly no indication of that.
1: Okay, because that's the biggest thing. That's yeah. basically forgetting yeah, the fine details, I, I forgetting whether there, it was night goggles or any of this other stuff, printed circuit you know, boards. Night,
8: night vision is something that I know intimately. The guy who created Night Vision Lab was a personal friend of mine. Uh, Some of the work that I did, even though I was at NSCOM, was actually done at night vision uh, lab. I can tell you that alien eyeballs played absolutely no role in the development of uh, any of our night vision systems. I'll tell you what, our sponsors have
1: eyeballs, and they're going to be very concerned if we don't give them a chance. John Alexander, (laughs) Ph.D., joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co host is Chris O'Brien. You're in the Paracast.
10: The food storage industry leader has done it again.
1: Introducing
10: FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to FreezeDryGuy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month our clubs work with everyone's budget plus when you join freeze dry guy clubs you'll get additional rewards for example this month get 10 percent back in survival bucks on all purchases in the freeze dry guy product line plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount hurry go to freeze or call 866-404-3663 that's freeze dry or call 866-404-3663 the freeze
19: dry guy the best you can buy
20: Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call one 800 346 We'll work together to get your problem solved
19: guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- 346 6829 That's 800-34-NO-TAX.
17: How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen.
3: My name is Ellis and I'm 66 years old and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused knowing the negative side effects.
17: Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level.
16: Within the first month, I felt a
3: dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely
17: normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305, 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract.
6: Are you
7: tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
14: Hello, this is John Burroughs, one of the witnesses to the Rendlesham UFO incident. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Before we get back to our guests for this final segment, if you have a comment or a question about the PowerCast, write us news at thepowercast.com. That's news at thepowercast.com. We read every letter we get. This is our final segment of our visit with Dr. John Alexander. The book is called UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. And by the way, neighbors, if you go to thepowercast.com, our homepage, when you click on Dr. Alexander's name, you will go right to his website so you can check out some of the things that he has to write about. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, any more questions left?
15: Well, we do. Can I mention uh, one thing? Sure. Yes.
8: Yeah. Well, when you go to the website, you'll find where I live most of the time. Because there's a number of government pubs and things like that that are up there, and uh, things like the convergence of special operations forces and military SWAT and irregular warfare in Africa. There's a book in there that just came out last year that I have a chapter in on, um, you know, the future of biological warfare. And I mentioned Kit Green has a chapter in that book as well. So,
5: wow.
8: like I say, very eclectic, and UFOs is a piece
1: of it. Let's look at the overall picture here. Because of your association with the government, we have to ask you here. Okay, number one, you're not violating any secrecy regulations or commitments here in talking about this stuff, right?
8: In in the book, I at the back, you know, I have a comment there that says, anybody who's got information about this that wants to get it out, let me know. Because while some people may have been threatened, you know, there is no policy, and a substantial number of people have talked, and absolutely nothing bad has happened to them. Uh, well, the UFO people beat them up, but as far as the government, there's, nobody's been arrested or charged or had their security clearances revoked or anything like that. Uh, again, there's no overall policy that says you can't discuss these things.
1: Okay, so the people who are clamoring over and over again, ad infinitum, for disclosure, the government has to tell us what they know. They're just barking up the wrong tree?
8: Well, my argument, and in the brief had, they have time after time after time you know, presidents have you know why not the White House? Presidents have come forward, several of them. Uh generals, senior officers, Hans Ober from uh you know, the father of space, uh, you know, the Vatican, they all, who and my point is how many times do they have to tell you this is real before you believe it?
2: Well it's the depth of their knowledge that I think the Stephen Bassett's Andre Weber's Michael Gr uh Salas, and Steven Greers are after. They want the smoking gun. They want it all the government must know but some of this the is crazy. Universe. You know, uh, most of John. Most of it is. Web,
8: yeah. Greer, of it is but. Greer on his website has things that are demonstrably false, uh, specifically that we have been driving UFOs, and uh, you've had these capabilities since, quote, the 1960s. And you go, if so, let's understand, UFOs are not about little widgets flying around. If they're real, it's about energy. Energy, you know, has been driving the world you know, for a long time. We lost, you know, the ten trillion dollar. I have my ten trillion dollar challenge up there. Would you really have let ten trillion dollars evaporate just because they want to hold it? You know, people assume. Yet the government is incompetent across the board, except for for. UFOs, where they become omniscient and omnipotent. And it makes no (laughs) sense whatsoever.
2: Very good
1: point. The question I always wonder about, you know, every day, every day you listen to the talking heads on cable TV, right, left, middle, whatever. And they say, look how incompetent the government is. They haven't no a clue what they're doing. They always get things wrong. Oh, by the way, they're keeping UFO mystery a deep, dark secret, some people say. And they've got this grand conspiracy. And they've basically engaged in disinformation. They're doing all this stuff. They know exactly what they're doing about UFOs. But when it comes to anything else, they're just a bunch of incompetence."
2: <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't seem
8: to go together. The s- trains don't go together.
2: <laughs> it doesn't stack up, does it? Well, here's a good way to possibly kind of wrap up this wonderful three-hour show with you. And and again, thank you so much. It was great meeting you in Victoria, and I'm so happy to, that you agreed to be on the show. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll get a return visit where we can go into some of these areas in a little bit more in depth. But where do we go from here, John? I mean, where does the... Scientific community, the civilian research community, go from here. We're dealing obviously. We're dealing with the giggle factor and and scientific and academic scorn. We need government transparency. Uh, You mentioned, uh, and I love the term, the puzzle paradox, and the need for micro pattern analysis. Where do we go from here?
8: Well, one of the things I point out is that the UFO community is, as such, is their own worst enemies. I mean, they are instrumental in making it impossible uh, for reputable scientists to enter the field. Again, guilt by association. One of the things I proposed, though I don't think it would happen, uh, would be that uh, we have a high-level official such as Gates uh, from the Department of Defense. Or Jim Clapper, who runs the directorate of national intelligence, uh, or Panetta in the CIA, to come out and just wave a wand and say, anybody who has you know information they believe to be classified about UFOs is hereby free to talk about it. Uh, it's a win-win, no-cost situation. Don't think they'll do it because it doesn't even pop up uh, on their scopes. Sheila Woodenall did release people from the Roswell, uh, any oaths that might have been taken with that. And it would certainly clear up a lot of information. Now, I would also say there's lots and lot of people who are telling the stories who have to be running for cover because they can no longer come up with this, I'd tell you, but I have to kill your response.
1: So certainly you're telling us, Dr. Alexander, but you don't feel any threats. So let's go back to that. Are there, therefore, no men in black from the government, but maybe private individuals are running around the country, well-financed, having a ball at our expense?
8: Certainly not well-financed. One of the things I do address is some uh, detail is the difference between individual interest and institutional responsibility or accountability. Um, like civilians, probably seven to ten percent of the you know employees of the government have seen UFOs. So they've had personal experience. Uh, many of them are interested. Um, I tell a story in there about one of the head of the three-lettered agencies who said, A, we don't do that. B, let me tell you about the ones I saw. So we had you know, personal experience, but that still didn't translate into the organization doing something. Uh, getting back to where do we need to go, we need to make it permissible for competent scientists to enter this field I would say the same thing's true for uh, politicians, uh, but that's not about to happen. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's why the UFO community thinks there's going to be a revelation. You'd have to be crazy as a politician to come (laughs) forward. And and if you look at what happened to Dennis Kucinich, um, you know, and, and he asked a very reasonable question. He just said, gee, I saw something. I didn't understand what it was. I'd like to know. And for that, he just gets crucified, even in a presidential debate. Uh, One of the things I mentioned was uh, Claiborne Pell. I think we mentioned him. Uh, you know, he went to a. He stopped by a MUFON conference once. Was interested in phenomena, and the Washington Post crucified him uh, in his obituary. His
1: obituary.
8: Oh, that's. Um,
11: and that's
1: um, don't west. criticize the dead. I'll tell you what. This is going to have to be about the wrap-up time. Can you tell our listeners, Doctor John Alexander, where they can find more of the things that you do?
8: Well, again, you've got the website. Uh, published, that's got it. Uh, it would look up the book, uh you know, UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies and Realities. Uh and it um it's again geared for people with common sense. It's kind of infuriating uh, the true believers who, you know, have a preconceived notion of where everything goes and the skeptics because I have taken them on as well these things happen and uh, with reliable witnesses with multi-sensory uh, involvement you know, every sensory system we have picks them up
2: Chris O'Brien where do we find more of the stuff that you do? Well of course I hang out at forums.paracast.com I'm one of the moderators you'll find me there uh, once or twice a day of course I do have a website Our Strange Planet .com and uh, do pick up my book, Stalking the Tricksters. A special thank you to Dr. John Alexander.
1: Thank you so much for joining us this week on The Paracast.
8: Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah.
0: The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.